Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing Word from God. God bless you. All right, come with me in your Bibles because um, I've got to, I really want to kind of get out of the way as much as I can and set up for God to do something powerful. It is always great to be back at my favorite campus. It wasn't always my favorite campus, but when Denise joined, I thought, okay. She's also known as Denise with a beautiful voice. How was the worship so amazing and you were sitting there? How does that happen? What? It had to be Jesus. You're right. You're right. And how many people love pastors Michael and Lisa Hundley? Aren't they just the best people? Just absolutely love them, love them. And the Van Tassels and Manny, what a great offering word this morning. And I'm just so glad Joy is sitting next to Jake, keeping him, un, you know, well, trying to, trying to keep him under control. It's the same for poor old Mrs. Verrilli, trying to keep young Christian. So good to see you guys. All right, come with me in your Bibles. In fact, we're going to start off in um, Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. Matthew 10, verse 1. I'm going to give you the title of my message, even as you turn there. The title of my message this morning is A Gospel of Power. A Gospel of Power. And, uh, and so Matthew 10, verse 1, there it is, A Gospel of Power. If, you, if anyone says to you, hey, what do they preach at? Awaken church, just tell them a gospel of power, a gospel of power. We get accused of, of all kinds of things. We, didn't, we get accused of, hey, we empower women. Women are allowed to stand on a platform and pray. Yeah, because we're an empowering church. Jesus empowered the women of his day. The Quran excludes women. Jesus empowered women. You know, well, they preach a prosperity gospel. We preach a gospel of power, and it is the power to break the demonic curse of poverty and struggle and lack and helplessness and hopelessness and poverty cycles and transform your life so that you can prosper, you can flourish, you can increase. It's a gospel of power. So Matthew 10, verse 1, the Bible says this, and uh, Jesus calling his 12 disciples, when he had called his 12 disciples to him. Comma. Let's just pause there for a second. Jesus' first call is not to go into all the world. Jesus' first call is not to get engaged in mission, assignment, build orphanages in Mexico. Jesus' first calling is to him. Jesus' first calling is to him. A lot of people think, and I thought the same thing when I went to Bible college, that Jesus' first commandment to the disciples was follow me. But then if you read the Gospel of John, before Jesus said to the disciples, follow me, they came to him and they said, Lord, where do you stay? And Jesus' first command followed, he says, come and see. Come and see where I stay. Come into my world, come into my home, come and be in fellowship with me. The Bible says when Jesus had called his disciples, the 12, to himself. In, in this world of 
crazy in this world of broken and dysfunction. The greatest battle every Christian faces is that first calling, and it's the calling to separate yourself from all the noise and all the tumult and all the needs and all the things around, all the demands on our time and get that one-on-one with Jesus. The devil will do whatever he can. He will throw every distraction. He'll throw every vice. He'll throw every obstacle. He'll throw anything and everything he can to get you disconnected from Jesus. I can't tell you how many pastors and ministers I've seen over the years, they, they begin with great zeal, they begin with great passion, but, but as the church grows or as the blessing comes, as, as they get caught up in the mission, they, 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 they disconnect from the power source, they disconnect from Jesus, and then they break down or they peter out or they, you know, that's the key, the secret is here, Matthew 10 verse 1, when Jesus called the disciples to himself. My biggest battle in this world is above everything else, all the demands and all the noise, is to make sure that it's one-on-one with Jesus. The one-on-one with Jesus. And watch this. The Bible says, when he called the 12, when he called the disciples to himself, comma, he gave them, he gave them, he gave them power. He gave them, man. The reason the devil doesn't mind you being so busy, you can be busy with the busyness of of ministry. Sometimes we can be so busy for him that we abdicate or neglect being with him. The first call is to be with Jesus. It's, it's, It's when you're with Jesus that he gives you power over. Have a look at this. He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Everyone say power over. Power over comes from connection with Jesus. So now come with me. We're going to go to to the Gospel of Luke chapter 9. I want to read from verse 42. Luke chapter 9, verse 42. Basically what's happening in Luke 9, 42, we're going to read in the NLT, the the New Living Translation. But in Luke 9, uh, 42... Jesus has, has come down from a mountain with three of his disciples and there's a commotion going on and there's a boy who's demonized. There's a boy who has a demonic power. He, a spirit grips him and tries to destroy him. This thing torments him and tries to destroy his life. And so the father, let's read it from verse 42. And it says, And as the boy came forward, the demon knocked him to the ground and threw him into a violent convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the evil spirit and healed the boy. Then he gave him back to his father. Verse 43, All gripped the people as they saw this majestic display of God's power. If you said to me, what is the assignment? What is the purpose of Awakened Church? in El Cajon in East County, I would say we want to be a church where people are in awe and are gripped with the majestic display of God's power. The majestic display of God's power. I I want you to understand that literally the signature of God is the driving out the exercising of all that it torments, all that robs, all that steals, all that plunders, all that vexes, 
all that tries to drive you into destructive things. This, the Bible says this spirit would, would throw him into fire and throw him into water, trying to destroy him. The devil is a destroyer. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life, but the thief has come that he may steal, he may kill, he may destroy. The sad thing is, when I got saved, I was born again going to heaven. But what I didn't realize, even though I was born again and going to heaven, I still had some passengers. I had some hitchhikers that, were, that I had to throw out. Some of them relocated into the trunk and some were just in the back seat. One of them kept piping off trying to get, you know, shotgun and then he kept trying to grab the steering wheel. And I found that even though I was saved and going to heaven, I had to actually elect Jesus's power. And I didn't realize, I'm like, Jesus, how come you didn't, how come when you came into the car, you didn't just kick all these out? And he says, well, because you're in agreement with a whole bunch of them. You're in agreement with this guy and with that one and with this one and this one back here. You got to break agreements. You can't be set free from something you're in alignment with. You can't be set free from something you're in agreement with. You have to break the agreement. You have to break the alignment for freedom to flow. So let's let's go now to uh, to Matthew 17. And while you're turning there, I just need to kind of address. It was really funny. Somebody came up to me the other day and they said, "Oh, Pastor, did you know that there's a whole bunch of churches in San Diego that are preaching a series, and it's kind of targeted at at Awaken?" And I'm like, "I just I just love the fact that we're influencing other churches." And they said, "Yeah, yeah, they're preaching what they call cessation theology, and cessation basically means." that the gifts and the power of God ceased with, the, with Jesus and the disciples, the, Jesus with the disciples. And so let me, let me just kind of, you know, without trying to get into a theological or the acrobatics of, and theatrics of theology, this is what they're saying. Let me just dumb it down. This is what they're saying. Jesus said, go, I want you to go into all the world and make disciples and, you know, heal the sick, cast out demons. I want you to go and do all of that. However... However, as I'm leaving, not only am I going to turn the lights out, but I'm going to turn the power off. What I did with power, I want you to do, but without any power. That's how stupid that is. Are you kidding me? Jesus said, and lo, I'll be with you even to the end of the age. Jesus said, it's better that I go unless I go with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So let me just tell you, in this church, we have a hard time believing stupid things. We believe the Bible. Somebody say amen. All right. So have a look at this. Matthew 17. Matthew 17. Seven chapters later. We started in Matthew 10. Now it's Matthew 17. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. Jesus had 12 disciples. He took three with him, leaving how many down in the village? Nine. Gosh, you guys are good at math. Nine. And he was, and verse two, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him. Then Peter answered as he wasn't, he wasn't asked a question. I want you to notice that. Then Peter answered. 
Ain't no one talking to you, Peter. But whenever he's overwhelmed, he just talks. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it's good to be here. This is weird, but yeah, it's kind of, I think it's good. Let, if you wish, um, let us make three tabernacles. We can make one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And the Bible says, while he was still speaking, <laughs> while he was still speaking, I never want to be a church that is so busy speaking that is answering questions that aren't being asked that we're missing, we're missing what God is doing. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. Suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son, Simba. No, that's not what it says. Just kidding. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And the Bible says, and when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. Jesus came and touched them and said, arise and do not be afraid. When they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. So Jesus does nothing that is unintentional. He does nothing by accident. Jesus is taking Peter, James, and John, the three. Jesus has three of his inner circle amongst the 12. The 12 are the inner circle amongst the 70. The 70, the 120, the 120 of the 500, the 500 of the multitudes. But these are the three. So he takes Peter, James, and John with him up onto a high mountain. No sooner does he get up onto the mountain that he's transfigured. The Bible says his face began to shine like the sun and his clothes became dazzling white. What he was doing is he was modeling, he was modeling to the disciples the need for us to separate ourselves from life in the village, from life in the community, to disconnect ever so briefly, disconnect momentarily, but disconnect regularly from the community to connect with God so that we could find our transfiguration. We can find the power. We can re-turn the lights back on, turn the power back on so we can be effective when we come back into the world. Jesus is modeling. And the Bible says that while Jesus is being transfigured, Moses and Elijah are dispatched to minister and to speak to Jesus. Moses represents the Torah. Moses represents the law of God. The law of God, the law, the Bible says, is, is perfect. The law is beautiful. The law is life-giving. You would say, hang on, whoa, whoa, pastor. No, 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 the law is death. No, 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 the sin in us, when it is measured with the law, brings death. But the law has no death in it. The law has life in it. But because we are violators of the law, we are... Death is so that's why Jesus had to die to set us free from the penalty of the law so that the blessing, the life of the law could now flow to us. But it wasn't just Moses, it was also Elijah. Elijah represents the spirit. Elijah was the one who called down fire from heaven. Elijah was the one that, that prayed and the drought broke. Elijah was the one that took on the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah and completely cleansed 
cleansed Israel of the fake news of the of the the, the false prophet media that was trying to to divide and destroy the land of Israel and fill it with all kinds of idolatry. It was Elijah, and so we want to be a church that doesn't just operate in the Word. We are a Word church, one hundred percent. But the Word without the Spirit is no good, and the Spirit without the Word is no good. In fact, the Bible says the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, confirms the Word with signs and wonders following. So what happens is we have to declare the Word, and then what the Holy Spirit does is He then puts that Word into action. He then confirms the Word. So when the Word speaks healing, the Holy Ghost will come and move in our services, and people will get healed. And when the Holy and when the Word says that you are t- delivered, and Jesus Christ died to set you free, the Holy Spirit, the anointing will come, and He will back up. He serves the Word. Jesus says when He, the Spirit, comes, He will, won't speak of Himself, but whatever you heard from me, that's what He will, amen, that's what He will testify to. That's what He will attribute to, to, the, to the backing up of the Word of God. So in this church, we are a Word church and we are a Spirit church. We're a Word church and we're a Holy Ghost church. And so Moses and Elijah are, appear and they're talking with Jesus. Well, the Bible says that they come down from the mountain. When they come down from the mountain and rejoin the other nine disciples, the Bible says there's a commotion. So come with me now to verse 14. So verse 14 says, And when they had come back to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him, saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. He often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. Go back up to verse 16. Verse 16 says, So I brought him to your disciples. I brought him to the church, but they couldn't cure him. I think the saddest verse in the Bible is verse 16. The saddest verse in the Bible is verse 16 because point number one, a powerless church is the devil's joy. A powerless church is the devil's joy. What what happened, Jared? Like seven chapters earlier, Matthew 10, Jesus gave the disciples power. He gave them power over unclean spirits. He gave them power to drive out demons. He gave them power to heal the sick. He gave them power. Seven chapters later, a man comes and says, man, I heard you casting out demons. I, 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 brought, I brought my son. I brought my problem. I brought my pain. I brought my broken. I brought my dysfunction. I brought my tormented. I brought my dysfunction. I brought my son. I brought my beloved. I brought my boy. I brought helplessness, hopelessness to the house. I brought him to the church. I brought him to the disciples of Jesus. I brought him to your representatives in the world, but there was no power. They couldn't deliver him. They couldn't deliver him. We, I'm telling you, like I love the screens. God bless the screens. And I love the foyer. I love, God bless the foyer. I love the kids' church, the playground. Love it. Love the great coffee shop. We've got great coffee. I love Twisted. Love Twisted. Night of Christmas. Love Night of Christmas. Hero. Love Hero. I love all of that kind of stuff. I love great worship and lights and all that kind of stuff. But I'm telling you, I would trade none of that. I would trade for the power of God. If we don't have power, it's all just noise. It's all just phylacteries. It's all just accoutrements. It's all. We have to be a house of power. 
we 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 don't want to we don't want a, a building that is that is that is that is just a, a a place where services happen where doxology happens where this is an altar. This is an altar in the East County. It's a stake in the ground. It's a place where heaven and earth collide, where heaven and earth connect, where people that are addicted, where people that are gripped with hopelessness and fear, where people that are, that are bound by the devil and tormented and vexed with all kinds of chains and shackles that, that, that try to destroy and torment their life. There has to be a place in East County where there's a, where there's a flag in the ground from heaven that says when you walk into this altar, there's an exchange. When you walk into this altar, freedom flows, power flows, deliver flows, deliverance flows. I brought him to your disciples, but they could, the devil doesn't mind church as long as it has no power. And, and 2 Timothy says, in the last days, perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves, boastful, arrogant, proud. And it goes on and on and on. And then it, it finally finishes, as having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. We are a power church because we preach a power gospel because Paul says in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God under salvation. You better believe we believe power. When someone comes in with a terminal illness, I know that the cancer in them is no match for the power of God that is in the house of God. When somebody comes in tormented, when somebody comes in bound, you better believe we believe in the power of God. We believe that God's power is greater. We believe that God is a deliverer. He's a healer. He's a transformer. Why would you believe that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Jesus said, when a strong man fully armed guards his palace, his goods are at peace. But when one stronger than he comes, he overpowers the strong man, takes away the armor in which he trusted, and then he's able to plunder the house. For years, for years, we heard about and we saw the, 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 the dysfunction and the amount of addiction and the amount of brokenness and the substance abuse that had gripped East County, the poverty that had gripped East County, the abuse that had gripped East County. And the devil was the strong man. And a strong man fully armed guards his palace and his goods he thinks it's good when your life is tormented. He thinks it's good when you're bound to, to all kinds of addictions and all kinds of vice. He thinks it's good when you're tormented and you have no peace and you can't sleep. He thinks it's good when you have anxiety and fear and you're overtaken. He, he, he thinks all of those things are good. But the Bible says, whoa, 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 hang on, not so fast. When one's stronger than he comes. When one's stronger than he comes. Did you know demons tremble at the name of Jesus? Because Jesus came, God in human form. He says, devil, I'm gonna whoop you. I don't even need to be in my heavenly form to whoop your. I'm gonna come and whoop you in human form. Jesus broke the devil's power, rose again, conquering hell, conquering death, has the keys of hell, has the keys of death. So now wherever Jesus goes, he is the strong man. He is the one who is stronger. Our assignment in East County, our assignment in South Bay, our assignment in North County, our assignment everywhere where we plan an awakened church is guess what, devil? You want to move out because if you don't move out, you're going to be driven out. You're going to be driven out. You're going to be busted up. We're going to tear down your idols. We're going to tear down your altars. We're going to break up your strongholds. We're going to set people free. 
because we declare the, that the strong man, Jesus Christ, has come and he's going to overpower you. He's going to take away the power in which you trusted and we're going to set the captives free. Can somebody say amen? amen. Jesus' church is a power church. Jesus' church is a power church. How do I know? Because it happened in my life. I was so bound. I was so broken. I was so vexed. I was filled with all kinds of bitterness and hate and animosity and driven by lust and selfishness. And then Jesus Christ came. And as he stepped in my life, he broke every chain, one after another, after another, after another, to bring freedom. And then he sent me to the United States of America and says, do for them what I did for you. When I first came to America, Jake Shudy, the, the, all the pastors got around me and they said, hey, 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 we, we, we looked you up online. Yeah, that spirit-filled stuff doesn't work here. I'm like, what? They're like, no, if you want to build a big church in San Diego, you need to understand, if you want to build a big church in San Diego, the biggest churches are uh, uh, seeker-friendly churches. So, you know, they, they, they tone down any power. If you want a big church, and what we mean by big church is you have lots of people that turn up and, and, and they put money in the thing and then you'll have a really great life. And if you want to do that, then just make sure you don't have any power. And I remember going home and Leanne's like, hey, what did you think of what they said? I said, it doesn't make any sense. She's like, yeah, but you heard them. Like, these are, these are pastors. These are people who are successful here. Don't you think we should listen to them? I said, babe, I said, listen, honestly, like, do you really think that God brought us all the way from Sydney to San Diego to give San Diego what they've already got? They've already got that. They've already got, if it was working, why would God, if it was working, why would God say, I said, honey, I don't know. I just can't do it. I can't, I can't withhold from them. What God did for me, God delivered me from demons that were tormenting me. God delivered me from addictions that were crippling and destroying my life. God delivered me from things that, that vexed my mind. God delivered me from habits that were destructive habits. I said, how do I hold that back from people? God healed me when I needed healing. He saved me when I needed saving. He did, how do we? We better be a powerful church. And, and here's the thing, it's really simple because the gospel is a gospel of power. It's a gospel of power, number two. So Jesus, Jesus comes back to the, to the other nine and they couldn't cast the demon out. The nine couldn't cast the demon out. So have a look what Jesus does in verse 17. Jesus' commentary is, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring the child to me. And the Bible says when they bring the child to, to Jesus, Jesus casts the demon out. And then he hands the boy back to the dad. The disciples come to him. Have a look. at. Then the disciples come in verse 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Hey, uh, why couldn't we cast it out? Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. Because of your unbelief. In other words, because you have become like the world around you. Number two, if you become affected, you cease to be effective. If you become affected by the culture, you cease to be effective in the culture. The biggest battle for a Christian in this world, when God says be holy, he didn't say be weird. When God says, I want you to be holy, he didn't say, I want you to, to become a prude. 
The word holy means to be separate, to be separated unto. Things that were holy to the Lord were were separated unto the Lord. There was bread in, in Israel, but then there was the holy bread that was separated to the priest, to the Levitical priests. There, there were vessels they used for baking. There were vessels they used for cutting. There were, there were knives that were holy knives, not because there was anything, but because they were separated to God. You and I are meant to be separated unto God. In other words, that your greatest battle as a Christian is the war against the spirit of this world, against the culture around about you that tries to legalize and tries to justify and tries to condone sin. The devil knows, the devil knows that, that if, he can, if he can normalize it, then he'll not be far away from legalizing it. And then we think, well, you know, it's not, it's not against the law. Well, whose laws? Well, men's laws. There are a lot of laws that men will pass, the Bible says, that are anti the laws of God. Your biggest challenge is, do you live for God's laws or do you live against God's laws with men's laws? I would say to you, you can choose, knock yourself out, but only one of them has power. I have found that men can blow it out their shorts. I don't give a foo-foo what the laws of men are, but I'm telling you, I do honor what the God's, God's laws are because if I align myself with His laws in this world, Jesus is saying to the nine, He says, the commentary of the culture is a faithless and perverse generation. You always find the two are congruent, faithless and perverse. When when, when faith decreases, perversion increases. When America began, she began on a foundation. The only textbook they had in their schools in, in the founding in the 1700s was the Bible. The Bible was the textbook, the textbook. And, and, and because we had high faith, we had very, very low perversion and wickedness. But as the devil has done his darndest to get rid of our Bibles from schools and to get rid of prayer from schools and get rid of the law and the commandments from our halls of justice, all of a sudden we find that now you can't preach in a school, but oh, they are preaching in school. We've got men dressed in drag preaching in school. And they're not teaching the God's laws in our schools, but they're teaching sexual perversion to our children in our school faithless and perverse the two sides of the same coin it's the spirit of the world your assignment and my assignment is to break with the spirit of the world and connect with God the disciples had spent too long in the cult in the community spent too long in the villages they didn't realize they had become infected and ceased to be affected number three just to finish and then I want to pray for people number three Power needs recharging. Power needs recharging. Because have a look at this. Verse says, Then the disciples came to ask him, Why couldn't we cast it out? He said, Because of your unbelief. For assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you or for you. Verse 21. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. By prayer and fasting. This kind only comes out through prayer and fasting. How many people have one of these? You'll find that at the end of the day or overnight, you've got to plug it in because it, it loses its charge. It, it, I don't completely understand the anointing. I know that God doesn't take His Spirit from me. And yet, David in Psalm 51 says, renew, 
a right spirit within me. Jesus calls the disciples to himself. He makes a distinction here. And he's transfigured in, in, before them. The, the light comes back on. The power comes back on. I don't completely understand it, but I do know this, that every time I separate myself from the culture and the world around about me, to spend time with him, power comes again. Anointing comes again. I find that the, the longer that I live in the world, the nor, more normal its ideas become. But this is what Jesus said. He, he, he said this. He said, listen, if you get to the place where you're ashamed of me, in this perverse generation, the time will come where I'll be ashamed of you in the presence of my Father and the holy angels. So you've got to make a decision that, you know what, more than likely, in fact, definitely, you ain't going to fit in down here. And you're not going to fit in down here because you were shaped for up there. And so you're going to have to get used to a little bit of pushback and a little bit of Ah, there are some places I can't go anymore. Ah, there are some things I can't do anymore. This is what I also found. I found that prayer and fasting. Jesus said this kind of spirit, this kind of destructive lifestyle pattern that tries to destroy, because it throws him into the fire and throws him into the water. How many people know that fire is good in winter? Come on, fire is good. Like it warms the house. It can even be romantic. The fire and the fireplace. A little bit of a romance. Fire, water, water is good. It cools, it refreshes in the summer, quenches your thirst. There's, there's, there's nothing evil about fire. There's nothing evil about water. But what was evil was this spirit would throw him into the fire. Would throw him. It would, it would use these things to try to destroy. In 2020, you know, we, we there was no there was no there was no roadmap. There was no guide map to how to navigate through government overreach. That America hadn't been at this place ever. But I just knew from God that, that after four deaths, none of them from COVID, all of them from the lockdowns, I couldn't do it anymore. I felt like I was an irresponsible shepherd. And there comes a point where you have to disobey tyranny in order to obey God. And so I just said, we're opening. There's no social distancing anymore. If you want to come in wearing a mask, knock yourself out. If you want to be social distanced, you know, we'll have seats out in the foyer. But for those that need connection, for those that need fellowship, for those that need human interaction, for those that need, there were people who were sick in hospitals, separated and isolated from their families, dying a lot. It was evil. So we opened up. And because we opened up, we were, we were the front page of the paper. We were on hit pieces on the evening news. We were getting death threats and hate mail and, you know, all kinds of stuff. And I remember just trying to cope. And then we heard that there was a, a vineyard owner out in Temecula who said the same thing to Governor Mussolini. He said, you can blow it out your shorts. I'm not shutting down my vineyard because Governor Newsom, you haven't shut down your vineyards, have you? Oh, they're still operating and earning money, but everyone else has to shut. So he opened, so Leanne and I would drive out there. We would, we would drive out there every Sunday after church. We'd drive out there and it was awesome. They had food trucks and they had like a a, a DJ and that, you know, people would be dancing and, and we'd just be out there, just out in beautiful Temecula. It's beautiful out there. And we're just drinking wine, eating good food. 
But I remember after maybe five or six weeks, Liam was going through the trash. She says, oh, babe, look, look at this, look at this. And I looked in there and there were three bottles of wine. She goes, we're now drinking about three bottles of wine a week. And I'm like, oh, shoot. She goes, I think we need to fast. I said, I think you're right. Because this flesh is so, I'd love to tell you it's my partner in, I'd love to tell you my flesh wakes up in the morning and goes, hey, hey, you're, are we going to worship God today? What are we going to do for Jesus? It doesn't. This flesh has its own agenda. And things like fire and water that are meant to be great servants to you, the flesh, if you don't do prayer, and fasting is just telling the flesh, hey, 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 you don't get it. You're like Peter, you don't get a voice. You, you, you get to the back of the line. We are not flesh-led, we are spirit-led. So we did, a, we did a, a fast because wine is meant to be a servant, but it's a terrible master. I know people who take sleeping pills. And at first, the sleeping pills helped them sleep, and it was a wonderful servant. But after a while, they couldn't sleep without it. And now that flesh had flipped it where now they were a slave to the sleeping pills. Have a look at how many Hollywood stars and celebrities died of overdoses from sleeping pills. Whitney Houston, Michael Jackson, Elvis Presley. It started off these things served them, but after a while they became their master. I know people, it started off, they, they, they had an operation or they went through something and they had to take painkillers. And the painkillers served, but the flesh, soon the painkillers became the master and they couldn't. Prayer and fasting, prayer and fasting, prayer and fasting. Prayer, this kind only comes out through prayer and fasting. I need, I need you to, to understand that our call is to Him. And our call is to have power. And our call is to not be affected by the culture around about us. When you're in the Word of God, the devil hates it, but I'm telling you, heaven delights. When heaven looks down and sees a son or a daughter in the Word, heaven fills with hope. Heaven fills with light. Heaven fills with joy because here's another person who's going to be speaking God's light and God's truth into the world. You know, right now, any area in your life, where you are bound, any area of your life where you are tormented, I want you to know that you don't have to leave the same way you came in. I want you to know you don't have to leave the same way you came in. When I got saved, Michael, I was 18 years of age and I was tormented Christian. I was tormented. My goal was I was so filled with hate towards my daddy because of what he did to us, what he did to mom. He was, he was cruel. He was violent. He was abusive. I remember one time when I was, I think maybe, uh, maybe 14 or 15 coming home and we'd heard mom and dad had a big row and a big fight that night and we were just in bed because it would start there and then he would come and beat us. And I came home and I, I could hear someone was in the house, but every room I entered, I'd hear a door close and the person went to, and finally I, I knew it was my mom. And I'm like, why is she trying to hide from me? And as I came, I pretended I went through one door and I closed the door and I ran to the other one. And then she came and she was so embarrassed. She couldn't look me in the eye. This eye was completely swollen shut. This little was all, her nose was all. And she just cried and cried and cried. Her parents lived in Germany. She had nobody. She had no family in Australia. 
I remember just holding her and I f- was filled with hatred. I wanted to, I, I did boxing so that I could beat the snot out of my father. And I, when, by the time I was 18, I had three amateur fights and I knew I could take care of him. And I was just waiting for him. Just what you, you just lift a finger. And I, I lived. I hadn't thought it through because I thought when I beat the snot out of him, where am I going to live? I hadn't thought that far through. I hadn't thought probably have to move out. I don't know. Instead, Jesus came in and he stood in front of me and said, you're tormented. Give me your pain. I'm like, no, no, I I don't trust you. I don't know you. Uh, I've heard that you're loving and you love everybody. You can't let him off. You can't, you, you saw what he did. You can't. And Jesus like, I'm perfect in justice, but it's driving you. It's tormenting you. It's robbing you. You're filled with hate. You're not meant to carry that. Let it go. And I remember when I let it go, here's the honest to God truth. I saw my mother get saved. I saw my little brother get saved. And I've, I've seen incredible transformation towards my father and in my father. I was gripped by lust. I was gripped by drug addiction, alcohol addiction. I couldn't go a week without drugs and alcohol. These things that, that came to me saying, hey, we'll give you a high, we'll make you feel better, we'll numb the pain. Soon I couldn't, let the, I become slaves to them. But when I came to Jesus, freedom came, freedom came, freedom came. If you need freedom from something, maybe it's anxiety, maybe it's depression, maybe it's bitterness, maybe it's, maybe it's uh, a painkiller, maybe it's a drug, maybe it's an, whatever it is. I want you to do something courageous because remember how I said you can't get free from something you're in agreement with. You can't get free from something you're in alignment with. If you want to break alignment with that thing, if you want to say to whatever it is, hey, I'm Jesus is my master and he makes me a master over you. I'm no longer bowing to you. I want you out of my life. I want freedom in my life. I want you just to stand to your feet right now as as almost like a declaration, as a declaration that I'm breaking alignment. I'm breaking agreement with this thing that's tormenting me. I'm breaking, I'm coming out from agreement, coming out from agreement, coming out from agreement, coming out from agreement, coming out from alignment. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Those of you who, who, who are standing right now, just close your eyes, turn your palms towards heaven. Say these words, say, Heavenly Father. Come on, everyone in the room, say, Heavenly Father. I want to thank you today that you shed your blood on the cross so that I can be free, that I can be delivered from the tormentor. Now say with a little bit of authority, say, Devil, I recognize you as the tormentor robbing me of peace, gripping me with your chains. But I declare today, Jesus Christ's blood sets me free. And now again, with a little bit of authority saying, I command you, get out of my life. I renounce every agreement, every alignment with every demonic spirit. I command you, get out of my mind, get out of my world. Get out of my soul. Get out of my life. Freedom is my portion. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God a shout. Come on, I want you to stand to your feet. Lift your hands to heaven. I'm going to invite Pastor Michael, but really quickly before he comes, lift your hands high to heaven. Lift your hands high to heaven like you're receiving something. Like you're receiving something.
Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord God, for each and every person. And I want you to know the gospel is a power gospel. And I declare devil. And this is what the, what the devil does. The greatest way that he keeps his hold and his grip hidden in our life is he comes to you and I with a thing called shame. Shame. Shame says, if anybody knew this about you, they would think so less about you. If anybody knew that you struggle with this, that you're gripped by this, that this is your secret sin, this is your vice. If anybody knew this, they, they, they wouldn't love you. They wouldn't like you. They would. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I break the lie of shame. I, Adam and Eve were filled with shame, so they covered themselves with fig leaves. But God says, what are you doing? What are you doing? Father, I break the spirit of shame. Don't let shame keep you. Don't let shame keep you. In this church, we don't judge people for their sin. Let me say it again. In this church, we don't judge people for their sin. There's a law in the United States called double jeopardy. Double jeopardy means that no man or woman can be judged twice for the same crime. The reason we don't judge you for your sin is because Jesus Christ was already judged for your sin. Shame keeps its power in your life. But if you come out from under shame, you'll find we're not judging you. We're here to set you free. Jesus was judged for you on that cross. Father, I break the spirit of shame. I break every addiction and I evict every demonic energy and power. Robbing these people, tormenting these people. I see chains of addiction breaking now. Breaking now. Breaking now. I see tormented minds being set free now. Being set free now. Being set free now. In the mighty name name of Jesus. Amen. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.